Welcome to an exciting cross-stream edition of The Wall Behind and Beyond in collaboration with The Appeal. I am your host, Philip A. Jones, and I'm very pleased to introduce my guest today, David Shipley. David and I will be discussing the differences between the prison complex here in the United States and the open prison model of the United Kingdom in an effort to provide an alternate perspective on the idea of restorative justice programs. However, before we get to that, I want to welcome David to the show. How are you, my friend? I've been looking forward to speaking with you about this most important subject. Hi, right. yeah, that's great. Thanks. I'm I'm good, and I'm really looking forward to this as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start? Uh, sort of an introduction, so to speak. Sure. I am. Um, I used to work in investment banking. Uh, but in 2014, I committed a, a fraud. I lied to some investors and uh, it, when we were raising money to start a business. Uh, subsequently, I was um, interviewed by the police, charged and imprisoned uh, for 45 months, uh, going to prison in 2020. Um, and I spent about half of my, my time in prison in a traditional closed prison in the UK. And then the last, last sort of nine or ten months, in an open prison, which is mostly what I'm talking about today. And these days, I I campaign on prison reform. I talk about and write about prison reform, and I am beginning a uh, doctorate looking at the effects of parental imprisonment on the children of prisoners. Thank you so much. I love that, man. You're doing some great work, um, and I hope that we can continue after this uh, to, to work together on this most important subject. Uh, before we get started, uh, let me give our UK audience some insight um, as to who I am uh, and how I came to do the work that I've been doing now for the last several years. First off, I'm currently incarcerated myself. I came to prison at the age of 19 and have spent the last nearly 33 years of a life sentence inside. I was convicted of attempted murder one and two, conspiracy to commit murder, and handgun violations. As someone sitting inside the prison system, it has always been a top priority of mine to see constructive changes being made uh, that would improve the quality of life for individuals serving time in U.S. prisons. And it was for this reason that I began learning and teaching about the subject of reentry. I took it a step further and founded a nonprofit called Inside Outside Consults that is geared towards shifting societal paradigms in an effort to change how we do prisons in the U.S., so I wanted to speak to different people about why we place such a focus on vengeance as opposed to healing and rehabilitation. To this end, I started my podcast in hopes of reaching a wider audience and give a public platform to the voices behind the wall who are directly impacted. So my work as a consultant also gives me the ability to sit at the table with both policymakers and grassroots community activists who champion such causes. Now that we have some type of perspective I want to get to it uh, because what you will hear today, I hope, will provoke some thoughts and ideas for how we can improve or fix our current system of justice here in the United States as well as abroad. I wanted to ask you, can you explain the concept of open prisons uh, so that our American listeners have a clear understanding of what an open prison is? Sure thing. So in the British prison system, um, for men's prisons, there are four different categories of prison. 
there are category A, B, C, and D. A, B, and C are all closed prisons. Those are prisons where you are, you know, you're, you're locked in your cell. There are plenty of locked bars, locked doors between you and the outside. There's layers of security. Um, the category A being for the most, what are considered the most dangerous prisoners or the prisoners most likely to escape and, and slightly lower restrictions than category B and category C. Category D prisons are very different. They are what's called open prisons. Uh, open prisons don't have walls. Your door, you don't have a cell, you have a room. And the only person who has a key to that room is you. You can come and go as, 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 you, as you choose. You have to promise not to leave the site unless you've been given particular permission to. But they are more like uh, walking around a college campus uh, than, a, than what you might think of as a prison. Um, I was actually going back through my journal from my, my time when I just arrived at the open prison, and I, I noticed what I'd written on the second day. That it was like a, a youth hostel in 1997. So that, that, that sort of experience is very, very different to a prison. Well, how did you come to even know about open prisons? Was it just because you were transferred, or did you have to make a request, or what? Well, if you go to prison in Britain, um, uh, I don't think you could spend a, a day in prison without hearing about open prisons. So prisoners in, in, closed, in closed conditions talk about the open system as if it's the promised land. You know, they're, all, they're always saying, oh, did you hear that guy? He got, he, he got his DK, he's being shipped out, you know. Uh, people would talk about it as this place where you know you could get takeaways sent in, and uh, you know so, uh, all these sort of crazy, wonderful ideas. Some of which were true, and some of which weren't. Uh, so everyone talks about it. Everyone wants to get decaf. It's, it's you know an environment where it's it's as free as you can be while still being a prisoner. Uh, so people talk about it a lot. You you have to apply. Um, when I was when I entered the prison system, uh, you, you didn't have a default assumption that you you got open prison conditions. Uh, that actually changed during my time inside. And now the theoretical policy is that if you have less than three years to serve, remaining in a sentence, then the default assumption would be that you should be considered for open conditions unless you've done something to rule yourself out of it. Man, that's awesome, man. And um, so you have to have less than three years. So that means that uh, the the most dangerous or the people who have violent offenses and have more time, uh, they have to wait um, until they're able to do the, the majority of their time before they're able to get to the uh, places like Hollisley Bay. In fact, um, I wanted you to also tell me what that what, what was it like at Hollisley Bay. Yeah, again, I was, I was reading my, my journal just before this conversation to refresh my memory. And it was, it was so different to a prison. I think you know, the closed conditions are, are, are you know, tough. I think we, you know, we, we don't know what, what, what prisons are like. You know, I, my time in closed prisons in Britain, I, I kind of experienced a lot of, uh, you know, a hostile environment, I think, you know, a lot of like the 
prison officers and staff just not wanting to help, being obstructive, not having much concern for prisoners' safety or health, and really a prison system that did very little to help prisoners make a positive change to their lives. And in almost every way, I found the open prison was the opposite of that. Uh, really simple things, you know, I, in, in closed conditions, I felt like every time I wanted anything, you know, even if it was like an extra towel or, you know, some, some, some extra cleaning products to clean my cell, I'd have to sort of fight through layers of bureaucracy to get it. Whereas in open prisons, it was just that the whole attitude was, yeah, of course, how can we help? You know, it, it, was, it was very strange in some ways after that. I think also because of the nature of the environment, is you have maybe 50, 60, 70 men living in a, an accommodation block where everyone has their own room, there's a lot more time to socialize. So it's less isolating in a way. There's a lot more time to build relations with each other. I think that's a real positive. Uh, the big thing that stuck out for me with Halsey Bay, which is the open prison I went to already, but it's quiet. So I, I come from a prison in the middle of, of London, on the, the countryside, on the sea, on the sea, on the coast, and it was so quiet there. The air felt clean. And the other big thing that stuck out for me was the amount of space you got. So in normal prisons, there's always other people around, as you know. There's, you know, you can hear them breathing, talking, banging, uh, walking about, whatever it is. And I remember a few days after I arrived at Halsey Bay, I walked from the accommodation block where I was living, down to the education block, which is about half a mile away, down a road through some woods. And I stopped halfway down this road because something felt strange. I couldn't work out what it was initially. And then I realized it was for the first time since I'd gone to prison, there was no one else around. I looked around there. I could see maybe two, 300 yards in every direction. No one else was there. No one was watching me. No one could hear me. And I think that, that experience of, of, of space and of freedom was, was a, one that really stood out for me. I see that uh, prisons in the UK are basically um, the same as here. You guys are very much more progressive. Um, being an older country, I believe that has a lot to do with it. But for the most part, uh, they're doing the same things here in the closed-style um, prisons. Everything is authoritative. You got to ask for this. You got to have a pass to go here. And you can get out of bounds. Um, if you need some cleaning supplies, you got to go and request it. Um, so it's so much more controlling in the environment, and it's super loud. As you can hear, um, maybe from my background, um, this is what um, this is a medium custody, and it's so loud, and there's loudspeakers, and there's people going and coming all all throughout the day. Um, I actually have a tablet. I usually use the phone on, uh, but I decided to come out into the day room to do this interview because uh, the tablet has glitches. And um, sometimes the sound quality is not good, um, although it would have been much more quieter to be in my room. Um, but I just wanted to say from everything you said, um, it sounds like, you know, it probably took a while before, you know, policymakers in the U.K. Um, and those who, who um, take care of issues dealing with the, the uh, prison system evolved to where they are now. But if, if you can tell us, what changed for you after you moved to Hollisley Bay, then that is the key to us making changes here 
in anywhere else because they would see the outcome um, of someone doing time in an open prison uh, creates more opportunity for them to be um, made whole and heal and go home and do and do a better have a better life or opportunity. Yeah, and I think that that absolutely has to be the question. And like, I can talk to you about how it was a nicer place to be, and like, it was nice to have my own room and more freedom and all those sorts of things. But I think for a policymaker who might be trying to persuade the electorate why they should be in favour of open prisons, those arguments probably aren't that convincing. I think the things that you can do in an open prison, which I think are transformative to the lives of prisoners and transformative to wider society are around the opportunities. So in an open prison, uh, you, you can apply to work at a local company. You can apply to study at a local college or university. Uh-huh. And this is the, the huge thing. So the reality in, in Britain, certainly, of, of, of in-prison education and in-prison work is it's normally pretty low quality, the, the work is, is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's low-skilled work, it's very badly paid, it doesn't really develop any, any employable skills for outside of prison, and the education often provides qualifications which aren't accepted outside of prison, so it's, it's very wasteful. And to give you a couple of examples of what you can do in an open prison, I, I started studying a, an MA in creative writing. I, I knew I, you know, with, a, with a fraud conviction, I couldn't be a banker anymore. Um, I knew I wanted to write, and I knew I wanted to write about my prison experience. And the, the prison was able to facilitate me during COVID having internet access within the prison in a secure room, so I could participate in Zoom calls with the other people on my course, you know, do my MA with them. And I, as a result, completed the MA after I after I was released and graduated this year. Uh, and now I, you know, now I write. Now I have a whole new skill set and a, a way of expressing myself and talking about these issues in prison, and I guess I've got a, a path for the second half of my life to do something positive with it. And another example is a guy I mentor. So he he was in the same closed prison as me, and, and a few months after I arrived at Halsey Bay, he followed on. And he had two years left. Uh, so he had two years left to serve. And I said, well, why don't you why don't you do a degree? because uh, he was talking about doing some studying, and, and uh, you know, I, I you know, encouraged him to do it. So he spent the last two years of his time in prison. Every day he was going out to study at a local university. After he'd done about a year at that university, he got introduced by, by people on his course to an employer who knew all about his situation and offered him a part-time job working for them while studying his degree. He was released a couple of weeks ago, and now he's gone full-time with them, and he's going to finish his degree over the next year. So... In the last two years, if he'd been in closed conditions, he would have sat there. Maybe he'd have gone to the gym a lot and lifted a load of weights. Um, maybe he'd have read some books. But, you know, he would have been released, essentially, as he'd gone in. Instead, he's two-thirds of the way through a bachelor's degree. He's been working in a, a job that actually uses his studies and uses his skills. And he is, therefore, able to you know, move back into society in a way which massively reduces the chance of re-offending. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got an income, he's got somewhere to live, he's got a, a, a pathway to changing his life. And one final example, there was another guy I was uh, in the Malsy Bay with who had 
served 15 years for the drug importation. And his, his wife and his children stood by him, but they were under a great deal of, of, of strain and pressure, as you'd imagine, and financial pressure. And for his last three years in prison, he was, because he was in open conditions, he was able to go out and work every day and earn a good wage that he could send home to contribute to the bills, to keep paying the mortgage, you know, to supporting his family. And seeing the difference that made to him, because he was a very proud guy, very much loved his family, and, and seeing him being able to support them, I think that gave him back uh, you know, the confidence that he could help his family and he could be a, a productive, honest man again. Yes, back again, talking to David about open prisons in the UK. Um, and I got a few questions, man. I know the listeners are curious, yes. just like I am, about what are the privileges in open prisons? For instance, do you, I know you get a laptop. Uh, do you get a cell phone? And can you have, like, what are the visits like? Like, if your family member wants to come see you, or do you even get visits since you get to leave the prison? You can go out of the prison. Can you have people come there? Yeah, so there's, there's a few there's a few great great points there. I'll, I'll take visits first of all. So visits, uh, if you have a, a, a traditional visit in an open prison, your family will come to visit you, and at Halsey Bay, you were allowed to just stroll around the grounds together. There's about 50 acres of, of open space there, and you were just allowed to walk around with it. You know, so so. Your, your wife and kids could come to visit and you could just walk around the fields together for, for two hours. Uh, that being said, the visits were not particularly popular because there's two uh, better things you're allowed to do. They're called uh, RDR and ROR, um, or as prisoners call them, uh, town leaves and home leaves. So a town leave is an RDR. That is where you're allowed to go out for the day to spend time with a loved one, typically, or family or friends. So you would sign out to the prison at 8 or 9 in the morning, and you'd be expected back by typically 3, 4, or 5 p.m. So you know, what, what people do in that situation is go out to the local town, in this case, Ipswich, um, and you know, have a normal day with their family, wearing normal mm-hmm. clothes, walk down the street, you know, like, Take their kids to the seaside, have an ice cream, you know, just just like really good, nourishing, uh, real life stuff. Uh, and once once you've done uh, one town leave successfully, uh, you've gone out and you've come back when you said you would. You are then eligible for home leaves, and these start with you being allowed to go home for three days. Uh, two nights, wow. three, three days, two nights. So, so yeah, like exactly, right? So, one of the reasons that actually people tend to really behave themselves in open prisons and there's very little violence, there's very little kind of, you know, like difficult interactions is because no one wants to lose that opportunity. You know, you've been mm-hmm. you've been inside for, for, for kind of however many years, and, and someone says, okay, if you just behave yourself for a month then you're going to be allowed to go home for three days. You know, you can go and sleep sleep in, in, in a bed at ha- in your house, wake up, get, get into your 
chat, have a bath, you know, whatever it is, you know, like sit on your porch, have a coffee. I, I, so, and then those gradually scale up to the point where you're going home for five days at a time. And once you're up and running at an open prison, you've been there a few months, you'll be going home. You can have two town leaves a month. So you'll have two days a month to start going out to do stuff and you'll have one home leave a month where you'll go home for five days. Uh, so that does break up, as you'd, as you'd expect, break up the uh, the kind of misery of prison a bit. And I think it always gave all of us a big thing to look forward to, you know, just knowing that in a few few weeks you're going to be going home. It's not all. It's, it's not all joyful though. I think it definitely. With each home leave, it got harder and harder to go back to the prison. I found, you know, that experience of kind of leaving the your real life, the life that you want to be in, and having to return to the to to what is still a prison, even if it's a prison without bars and without cells. Uh, that that became harder and harder with each each visit. I think. I could imagine. You talked about the incentive. Um, I'm, 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 I would believe um, that if we had something like that here in the U.S., uh, it would bring down not only recidivism but also violence, because you know that it, you know that you would you have a lot to lose, uh, and you know that you'd yeah. never want to go back to a real prison um, after being, you know, allowed to have such freedom. So, has this, in your opinion, or statistically? Speaking, has this brought down recidivism rates in the UK having this type of program? I think so recidivism rates are pretty high in the UK, and I think part of that is because only about five percent of the, the prison population actually get to an open prison. So um, one of the problems is, although uh, although everyone with less than three years to serve the default assumption is you go to an open prison, there's actually nowhere near enough open prison spaces. So there's a huge backlog and a lot of guys end up having to wait. You know, so they've got two years left, one year left. So I remember one guy and I was at Holiday Bay arrived with four months left to serve. So, you know, I, I think the evidence is that the reoffending rate for, for people who've been through the open system is less. And that makes sense for lots of reasons, right? They'll, they'll almost certainly have spent their time there doing really good constructive positive stuff like studying or working they'll have had opportunities to build rebuild or, or relationships with their family with their friends with their loved ones they will have had time in a less toxic environment frankly an environment which is less less violent less uncaring less traumatizing and, and therefore i think all those things mean that Prisoners who've come through the open system are are less likely to be offended. And well, it sounds um, that the UK could also benefit from expanding the open prison model, um, since it's such a low percentage of people who actually get there. You being at Hollisley Bay, did, how did that prepare you for life after incarceration? Were you able to, like, you know, save up money, um, you know, get a program going, seek employment before you actually stepped out of Hollisley Bay? How did that prepare you re-entry-wise? Yeah, it, it, it did all of those things. So I think the um, it allowed me, as I said, to to start pursuing this MA in creative writing and also 
I was able to to email uh, pictures to editors, to publishers, to to start actually you know getting work uh, even before release, uh, and that I think was really helpful. Kind of getting a, a bit of a head start and it makes such a big difference. Uh, there was, and I think the other examples I gave you of with guys who I was who I thought had exactly the same experience being able to earn money. It made such a difference because so often we have the situation where we jail someone for however many years, and then when they on their release date we throw them out into the world and we just expect we're like, hey, you've, you've done your time now, go and be a productive member of society. And I think the reality is like most of us who who, who went to prison, you know, went there because we made poor choices in our lives, and I don't think anyone can learn to make different choices overnight. And I think you need to take you know, a gradual path to it. And the great thing the open prison system does, it gives people a bit of time. It gives them that last three years almost as, a, as, a, as an off-ramp uh, from the closed prison system, you know, time to kind of adapt, time to get used to operating in an environment where you don't have to assert yourself with kind of like force and, and, and physical threat in order to achieve what you want. I think that's a big thing. The fact that you know the kind of the culture within a open prison is much more like a normal non-prison environment, and that people are you know kind of generally polite to each other. There's there's not the sort of ever-present threat of conflict and violence. So I think all of that means that actually people are more more ready to uh, to, to kind of rejoin the world. And I think certainly for myself, I I, I feel like. I got a a year's head start on my writing career, really, in that last that last year at, at Halsey Bay. I mentioned to you that guy, my mentor, who got a two-year head start on his new career. I often speak about something you mentioned. You need um, preparation, and you have to have a head start. Uh, when you just open the door to prison, um, and people haven't had a chance to, you know, basically put things in motion... Um, ahead of their, their release, uh, it's difficult for them to make that climb and to get back on an even level uh, playing field with everyone else. And so being in a place like Hollisby Bay or open prison um, gives one the opportunity to get themselves in a position where they can, you know, take care of their needs um, employ, employment-wise, um, maybe get counseling and um, add on to their education, which gives you a, a step up. That's one of the things that I think that is the main problem uh, for people coming back to prison and not actually leaving prison um, well uh, because they, they've, they've had such a horrible experience with trauma um, and they haven't had a step down. I think that's a really insightful point. Uh, the, I think you're absolutely right. There's a, the, the, the trauma of prison takes a long time to process, and I'm, I'm still processing mine for sure. You know, I think... It, it may be the, the task of a lifetime. I talking you, you're talking about the problem about just sort of throwing people out, out the door of the prison and expecting them to be able to thrive. We, we're having a uh, ongoing campaign in the UK to stop Friday releases for this reason. So what happens has happened historically here is that, that people will get released from prison at some point on a Friday morning, and at that point. They're not allowed to apply for housing from the closed prison until they've been released. They're not allowed to uh, 
open a bank account or anything like that. They're not allowed to, to apply for any benefits until they've been released. And they have to go and visit a probation officer. So, and, and all of those services are closed at the weekend. So we chuck these guys out at 10 or 11 o'clock with, I think you get about 75 pounds in cash now as your, your release grant, and that's it. And we expect them to do all those things by 5 p.m. Friday. And unsurprisingly, you know, when, when people have been in prison for, for years and years and years, they, they aren't necessarily able to do those things quickly. And then when they fail to sort their housing before the weekend or fail to get you know, benefits sorted or don't manage to make it to see their probation officer, they end up being uh, locked having violated the terms of their license and they get recalled. It's just setting people up to fail. And I think whether you are a, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of most strident liberal who really believes in, in, in improving social justice, or if you're a fiscal conservative, you should want a prison system which makes it less likely that people will reoffend and be taken back in. And, and, and therefore, we should change the system so that we don't create these traps and pitfalls for released prisoners. I think that one of the main problems also is that, um, as in everything in the United States, politics uh, affects it all. Um, we got um, two different um, mindsets about what should be done uh, with the criminal justice system, uh, as well as prisons um, and sentencing in our country. Um, and it's always about politics because that's why they, they practice more so vengeance uh, than um, trying to rehabilitate people and make them whole. Uh, to, to return to society. Some of the similarities and differences that I was um, taking in as you were um, sharing that your experience with the prisons before and after open uh, prisons is that when you're in a prison that's closed, there's much more uh, authoritarian style instead of, you know, people treating you more or less like you're a human being coming from their community and you're going to return and that you may be their neighbor. They don't look at it like that. They look at it like, oh, you did a crime. You, you, you're, you know, you're somebody that needs to be um, punished, and uh, we're going to make sure that you have that experience. Um, but that's in the, the most highest securities. I've been in the supermax um, where I was locked in 23 hours a day. Um, there's not a lot of rules. You're locked in your room all day. And then I went to closed custody, which was three hours out of your room a day and a lot more rules to follow and everything is on a regime schedule. Uh, but now I'm in medium. It's less um, security, but it's still a whole lot of rules. We have a key to our doors in the medium facility where I'm at, uh, but they still lock us down several times a day uh, whenever something's going on with another prisoner. Lock in, lock in. You know, everybody has to lock in. and So it takes away the fact that they give you a key uh, that you can come out all day until it's count time. And so the, I think some of the similarities are there, but we don't have open prisons at all. I think the best that we have is camp. And sometimes at camp you can go out to um, fight fires and stuff like that. So you go out to the community to work, uh, but you're not able to go home. Uh, you're not able to go seek uh, education or in, start working on your employment. You're just still in prison with a, with a little bit more uh, privileges. And so I think that is... A lot of things we can learn from the UK, um, but I'm but I'm wondering, um, is that going to be um, off into the future, or, or will we be able to compel them um, from some of the conversation uh, that it's time for us to do it now?
Yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting seeing the similarities. I think based on how you're describing it, I, I think in, in British prison terms, it sounds like we'd call the medium security one a CCAT, uh, where you do have a key to your door, but they can still lock you in, and there's quite a lot of association time. And I think something that resonated with me a lot was you talking about the noise, the shouting, and all the often really petty and, and confusing rules. I think one thing uh, that the British prison system, certainly the closed prisons, is full of is rules which are often inconsistently enforced, often seem to be kind of nonsensical. And I think that that culture doesn't actually help rehabilitate people. If you teach people that the world is full of silly rules that make no sense and often the people in charge can't explain why those rules exist and sometimes the people in charge don't even bother to enforce those rules. The lesson you're teaching is that actually you don't need to pay attention to rules. And I think it's interesting to sort of see those similarities there. I think the, from what I've read about uh, camps in the US, uh, am I right in saying they, um, that they are not typically for violent offenders or longer sentence offenders, is that right? Yeah, you have to, well, you can work your way to camp, um, but it depends on your charge and the amount of time that you have. You have to get down to like two years uh, to make it to camp, and you and rarely do people make it to work release. Uh, you know, if you, if you break the rules inside a prison, um, you might ruin your chances to go to work release. So 98% of people are not going to make it to work release, and so that's defeating the purpose of you returning to society because in work release is kind of like open, you go out for work and you come back, but you're still locked up and you can't leave when you want. Back with David in a minute. Back on the other side, discussing open prisons in the UK with David Shipley. I was just telling you that they have work release, but rarely do anyone in our system know. You know, you have a very small percentage because if you catch certain tickets or infractions, I don't know what they call them in the UK, it disqualifies you from going to work release. The, the, the furthest you can go is camp. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. So in, in the UK, we call them nicking. Uh, so if, you're, if, you, if you break a rule you get a nicking and you'll have to sit in front of the governor and explain yourself and you might get a punishment ranging from a uh, lots of privileges to through to a, a top end extra extra days in a sentence. Uh, I, I, in terms of how that would apply to an open prison though, if you if you make it to an open prison, uh, you are considered eligible for all the same same things as other people. Uh, but there, there might be occasionally difficulties so there was but it would be in in edge cases so there was one guy i was in the open prison with who was uh, a foreign national he was fighting a uh, an attempt by the uk government to deport him after his sentence so in wonderful prison logic they said well because we want to deport you we're worried that you might flee the country if we let you go on a home leave um which we all found quite strange, but that was their argument. So there are occasional cases where people will be prevented from accessing those those things. But generally speaking, once you've made it to an open prison, 
you will be able to to work outside or study outside. One thing we, we haven't talked about, actually, which might be worth bringing up here, is that quite a substantial portion of the open prison population are uh, what we call life sentence prisoners. So those are typically prisoners who have uh, committed committed murder. And um, I think there's a really, in many ways, an even bigger benefit to that population because these are men who've been inside for a long time. And one good friend of mine uh, who I played a, a lot of chess with, uh, both in the closed prison and the open prison, had spent 27 years inside and he was, he was released uh, last year. Uh, for him, the open prison let him actually start to adapt to, you know, not being quite such an imprisoned environment, actually going out into the world, you know, like seeing how things work differently now. And, and I think for him and for other men who spent a very, very long time in prison, sort of multi-decades, I think the open system actually is particularly beneficial because, it, again, it provides that, that gentle off-ramp of a, a sudden release. That's interesting. That means that you guys' life sentences have expirations. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, states in the in the U.S. Um, their life sentence means life. There's no expiration date, and the only way you can get out is by making parole. If you have a parolable sentence, or you have to get an appeal and have your sentence um, altered somehow. And so that's interesting because most countries around the world don't even have life sentences anymore. And even if they do, there's like a 25 year cap or there's, a, there's an expiration eventually. Yeah, so it, it's slightly strange in the UK. So they're called life sentences, but what they normally come with is what's called a minimum tariff. So you might get a life sentence with a minimum tariff of 15 years. So that's, uh, mm. that would mean your first eligibility for parole is after serving 15 years. doesn't mean you're automatically going to be released then. And you usually only get to try for parole once every two years after you've reached that point. Uh, if you do achieve parole, then you are still uh, under the terms of that life sentence for the rest of your life. So if you reoffend, you would be recalled very quickly, and you are you'll be meeting with a probation officer for the rest of your life. Do still have what are called whole life tariffs. That's a life sentence with a whole life tariff, which means there's no possibility of parole. Those are reserved for the, the sort of what are considered the most extreme crimes. So there was a, a policeman here in, in London who uh, kidnapped, uh, raped, and murdered a young, a young woman a couple of years ago. And so he. Um, uh, he, he was given a, a whole life tariff, and, and, but those are a very, very small number of prisoners. So, so I'd say uh -huh. most most life sentence prisoners would, would would probably be released at some point. That's interesting. Uh, do you believe the open prison model could work here in the U.S.? If so, how? And if not, why do you think? That's a great question. I think I would hope so. I mean, I think the. The, the sort of culture in somewhere like the UK is probably more similar to the US than maybe a Scandinavian country, which is often talked about as the sort of the the kind of liberal prison utopia. I think the open prison system 
for me works because it provides really good incentives and really good opportunities and incentives and opportunities are are universal you know it behavior is better because really if you've got the opportunity to go home for five days every month until you're released you will tend to behave better because you don't lose that opportunity you know you've made it to open conditions you wouldn't generally want to go back to closed conditions the opportunities to to study and work you know Generally speaking, I would say most prisoners would rather be going out, earning a good wage, getting you know getting a change of scenery, or going to a college studying, than they would sitting at the same staring at the same four walls. So I think all of that is is kind of universally applicable and should work just as well in the US. I think yeah. the challenge is it's almost certainly political. I think in the same way as it is here because. We don't really talk about the open prison system very much in the UK because actually when it's reported on in the press, it's normally because someone's absconded or some guys have smuggled in some, some drugs or some alcohol and had a party, that sort of thing. And generally, because there is this desire for prison to be punitive and vengeful, just as there is in the US, I think the the justice establishment here doesn't spend a lot of time talking about or talking up the, the open prison system. And I think the the challenge, as you said, is political. And I think in the US, the, the need is in the same way is just to, to actually convince people that it makes sense, that actually it's a, a good, pragmatic, rational and humane choice. Yes. Hey, man, well, I mean, I love the interview because I did interview um, two guys from Norway and Sweden um, uh, a few months back, and they talked about the Norwegian model. And it's crazy because a lot of delegates from America went over to Norway and toured those prisons, and they actually came back and were saying that they were implementing uh, some of these models. Two years ago, they told us that. And um, they haven't even made a single change. Nothing seems to be changed since they said it. And so I just think that I just think that the prison industrial complex is so entrenched uh, because it's 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 more than just you know helping people to uh, to not come back to prison in this country. It's about whole systems created for economics uh, and people to have employment. Um, that they, they, they don't have an incentive really to not um, build more prisons. And I think it starts there um, when you're making whole local economies out of prison. So um, once, we, once we figure that out, where there's, a, there's enough opportunity for people to still live and have a meaningful uh, opportunity at life without using prisons as an economic system in a town, um, I think we'll be on a better part because they're going to fight for it and the lobbyists are going to try not to uh, do away with it um, so long as so many people benefit from it. And we have a unionized prison system here. And so since it's unionized, they're always going to talk about, oh, we need prisons, all these violent criminals and all these guns, and we got to protect society. So once we get past that, I believe that we'll have a better conversation uh, surrounding open prisons and how we can make it so that people don't keep returning to prison from uh, not having a lack of opportunity. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a really interesting insight because, of course, the open prisons uh, employ far fewer people. On a typical housing block, 
holds the bay, I said you might have 60 or 70 men living there and there would only ever be one one member of staff sitting in a little office to sort of essentially to, you know, answer any queries people had. So compare that to the staffing required for 70 men in a, a medium security prison is obviously very different. So I think there's, there is less employment created in that sense. Although perhaps if all those if all those prisoners are going out to work in their local community, earn money, spend money in the local community, there's a there's an economic argument in that direction. It was a pleasure, man, having this discussion with you, man. I learned a lot about open prisons as well as how some of the uh, other levels of prisons are uh, function um, in the UK. I want to thank you, uh, David, uh, for speaking with me um, and sharing your experience. Uh, hopefully, we can adopt the open prison model here in the U.S., and maybe we can do some work together, write some pieces, or do some further interviews. Um, I would love that. Um, but I appreciate you coming by, man, and doing this, and um, I look forward to the next opportunity. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a really great chat, and it's been fascinating to see the the similarities and differences between the two systems. And, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to write something together about this. Most definitely. Keep your head up, man. Some people are really going to enjoy uh, learning these things because a lot of people don't have this information at all. Awesome. I, I completely agree. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care.